You would open your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 7. We are going to be studying in verses 13 through, I'm sorry, verses 14 through 23. As you're training, I came across a story this week that I thought was somewhat entertaining. There was a patient in a hospital somewhere in Georgia. And as he was moving on his bed, he, he somehow bumped his tray and knocked off an entire cup of water. And it splattered across the floor. And, and the condition that he was in, this man did not want to get up and risk stepping on that wet tile floor, slipping down and falling and making his condition worse and making his stay at the hospital longer. So he immediately calls in somebody to come and clean up the mess. And so in comes the nurse's aide, and she looks at the spill on the floor, and she looks at the man and says, well, according to hospital policy, um, the nurse's aides, we only, we only handle small spills. And this is a small spill, but we have, we have a housekeeping department, and guess what? They specialize in cleaning up large spills, which is what this is. And so the nurse's aide quickly calls for the housekeeping, and the housekeeper comes in, and she looks at the puddle on the floor, and she says, why didn't you call me? This isn't a, this isn't a large spill. This is a small spill. And so ensues an argument between these two hospital employees about the size of the spill on the floor. They debate it back and forth of Whose job is this to take care of this big mess that, that the patient accidentally made on the floor? And, and meanwhile, the patient, he's just sitting there listening to the, the, these two staff workers go back and forth. And finally, he just has enough. I mean, remember, he, he's got a wet floor. He, he wants to get up and in, but doesn't want to slip and fall to stay in the hospital longer. He just wants somebody to clean up. He doesn't care if it's small, large, medium. Grande, dente, whatever size you want to call it, he doesn't care what the size of the spill is, he just wants somebody to clean it up. Finally, as the argument still continues on, the man gets fed up, grabs the whole pitcher of water, just dumps it on the floor. And says, is this big enough for somebody to clean up now? And that essentially ended the entire argument. Do you realize that's how we are with sin? You know, that's, that's, how, that's how we handle sin when we are confronted with it. Matter of fact, humanity has always reacted to sin that way. Remember in the garden, when God comes and he finds Adam and Eve after they ate from the one tree he told them not to, what do they do? Adam looks at Eve, you know, God confronts him and he says, Adam, why did you eat from the tree? And that's says, well, it's her fault. She's the one that gave it to me. And then Eve, not wanting to go down for this, she, she quickly is like, well, 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 hold on a second there. You know, I, mean, I, I gave it to him, but, but that stupid over there tricked me. Right? See how it happens? The blame game keeps, keeps getting shifted from person to person. And as a matter of fact, that blame game has become such a part of, the, the, of our human condition that we still do it. And we do it without even thinking. We do it without even realizing it. 
Matter of fact, let me tell you this. It starts off very early. You don't even have to teach your kids this. I'm going to share a story on, on, my, on my kids this morning. So um, don't worry, I'm going to start a fund at home called the Psychologist Jar. For all the stories I'm going to tell them as they grow older. So they don't get the benefit that they need. Um, but I remember one time, so we, had, we were all sitting at the family dinner table. Nicole and I had finished eating, and we had gone into the living room to let the kids finish up. And we had left all three of them with a cup of water. Next thing I know, Jaden comes out of the dining room, and she's all upset. And Jaden's like, Ben's playing with a spoon in my water. Which is not okay, right? I mean, if your brother was playing in your cup of water with a spoon, you'd probably be a bit upset too, right? I know if my brother played in my cup of water with a spoon, I wouldn't have got mom and dad, I would have hit him with a spoon. But, but anyway, so I, you know, Nicole and I, we call Ben into the living room, we're sitting in the rocking chair, we say, Ben, were you playing in your sister's cup of water? No. Well, who did it? Emrys did. Of course, little Emrys, she hears this, and she comes storming out of the dining room. And this thing in the rocket chair, she walks up to him and just goes, boom! Because she is not going down with Ben Sins. She's like, no, oh, no, no, you're not getting me in trouble. You're not even going to drag me into this discussion. And I'm just like sitting there with my jaw hanging down, like, what just happened? And I asked Emerus, Emerus, did you just hit your brother? No. I stuck your nose up and just walked out of the room like I didn't see a thing. You see, we don't, that's part of the human condition. We're just naturally that way. We like to pass the buck from the next person on down the line. And even, even in our society, as we get, old, get older, we, we stop even blaming on other people. We shift it to blaming our environment. And blaming our upbringing and blaming the people in our lives. We, we blame our jobs. We blame the, the side of town we live on. We blame all, we, we blame the government. We blame one side of the government versus the other side of the government. But we never really stop and focus on what's really happening. We never really stop and ask ourselves, what's the cause for all this bad stuff that keeps happening? All this, all this stuff that I do in my life that makes me unclean. Who, we never stop and ask ourselves, who is responsible for creating the sin in my life? As we look to the text this morning, we're going to be asking ourselves a question along those lines. It's, what causes us to become unclean? What is it about us as human beings that, that causes us to become defiled before God? So with that being said, let's look to our text this morning. Mark chapter 7, verse 14 through 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all food clean. Jesus went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. 
For from within, out of man's, men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, as we, as we look in, into the rest of this text this week, and we ask ourselves the question of what, what causes us to become unclean before God? It's really important that I stop here and, and we, we remind ourselves what happens leading up to this part of the story. Remember that the, Jesus has just had a really intense discussion with the Pharisees. Remember, the Pharisees are this strict religious elite. They are so set on being able to follow the laws of God and not breaking the, the, the Ten Commandments and breaking the laws of God. They have made what's called the tradition of the elders, a set of 600 and something extra rules that they follow to keep them and protect them from breaking the law of God.
Matter of fact, by Jesus responding in this passage, Jesus is saying that I am the God who gave these ceremonial laws to Moses. I am the God who understands the intent behind them. And your leaders who have taught them to you and they're trying to teach you these traditions don't understand why I gave them to you. So he calls the crowd to himself so he can reteach them. So verses 14 through 16, we're going to look at those here a little bit first. He says, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is wanting to correct this dirty tradition established by the, the religious elite. So he calls the crowd to himself, and not only is he calling to himself, he says, listen, pay attention. Put your, put your phones away. Put your, put your keys in your pocket. Look at me and listen with your ears to what I'm about to say. Now, some of you might have noticed in, in verse 16 that your verse 16 was not in the passage, right? Does, does anybody Bible do that? Parents did, people did. Mine, mine does it too. Uh, they take verse 16 in some of the Bibles and they put it down in the footnotes. Because the early manuscripts, uh, it, can only, it can only be found in some of the early manuscripts. They, can, they can't verify the, the authority comparing it to all of them, if that makes sense. If you don't understand that, you can get with me afterwards and I'll explain how we got our Bible in English. <laughs> but even if you leave that verse 16 in there, notice he says, listen to me, everybody understand this. And Mark, even if he, whether he added this or not, the idea behind it is this is so important. Make sure you're paying attention. And then... Did you get that? Were you paying attention? Did it, did it, you know, I, I don't want you to just play, play your service and pretend like you heard what I was saying. Actually listen and let it connect with your brain and process it. He says, nothing outside of man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of the man that makes him unclean. See, the intent that Jesus was trying to reveal behind this, these religious laws and rituals and ceremonial law was the fact that there's something wrong with us. There's something broken about us. And he was trying to use the, these, these, the fact that the difference between a, a, a person who was, was, was clean and a person unclean to help us understand that there's something wrong with us. He used all the different food rules and regulations to try and point to say, there is something wrong with us. It, it, it wasn't the environment that they were in. It wasn't the animal itself that they were eating. The real problem was them. And that's why all that's why we have the, the Ten Commandments, the law of God. That's why we have the ceremonial laws and all those other laws that you read in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. If you can stay 
fundamentally wrong with our being. And Jesus was taking a step further. Remember, he's responding in this moment to the Pharisees. And he's trying to point out to his disciples and to the crowd what was wrong with their understanding. You see, the Pharisees thought and they believed and they practiced that if we follow these 600 and something extra rules that we make, it will protect us and keep us from following, from breaking God's Ten Commandments. And as long as we don't break those Ten Commandments, we will be in good shape before God. As long as we don't break those Ten Commandments, as long as we keep following our 600-something extra rules, that will really make sure that we do not defile ourselves before God, that we do nothing to make ourselves unclean. But Jesus is telling them, that problem, that source of uncleanness, that source of defilement still exists. Despite all of their practices, all the rules that they follow, the problem that they were trying to get away from, trying to keep themselves from, from committing, was still already inside of them. Jesus had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared, all foods clean. So, Jesus just gets done explaining this to the entire crowd. He's, he's, he's had a discussion with the Pharisees. He's explained it to the crowd, and his disciples come to him, and, this, and they just don't get it. Like, he's explained it twice now, and it's just not making any connections in their brains. And it adds actually to the point where they come to Jesus, and they think they are so confused and so, so messed up by what Jesus is teaching that they come to Jesus, and they say, Explain this parable to us. Jesus wasn't telling a parable. A parable is a heavenly story, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's it's a something that it's, a, it's something Jesus used quite often in his ministry. He would take a story or something from everyday life and, and use it to explain the deep mysteries of the kingdom. If you go to Mark chapter four. You hear, you hear all these stories about a farmer and seeds and seeds being planted and growing and all these things. Jesus was doing that for a purpose, to try and help the people understand and grasp what he was teaching. And so this, this story is so complicated. What Jesus is trying to teach in this moment is so complicated, so beyond the, the, the minds of disciples. They think he's telling a parable and he's not. Jesus, is, in this moment, is speaking the truth in plain and ordinary language so it can be heard and understood. So that there would be no confusion, no misunderstanding, mistranslations. He just speaks it plainly. But it's so plain, so simple, 
It confuses the, the disciples. That's why he responds, are you so dull? It's like he literally says, are you stupid? Don't you get it? It's not that complicated. And he proceeds to tell them the exact same thing again. That nothing that enters a man from the outside of him can make him unclean. There is nothing in this world outside of your body that will make you unclean and unworthy before God. Nothing. I know the world is evil. I know the world is pagan. I know the world does things that aren't pleasing to God, but there is nothing that this world offers you and can do to you, can say to you, can treat you to defile you. Because that comes from the inside. Now Jesus, now Jesus does tell him a parable. He does use sort of a parable here, and he, he uses a basic health concept to teach this to them. He says, do you realize when you eat something, that it goes into your stomach, and your stomach takes out the nutrients that your body needs, and it ships it where it needs to go? Keep in mind, I went to combat back school, and they taught me how to stop blood cutting, clotting in 30 minutes. And they said it's a 16-week course in med school. So, this is the abridged version. So, but, but here's the thing. So, your, your food goes into your body through your mouth. It goes to your stomach. It doesn't at any point touch your heart during that consumption process. And when your body's done absorbing the nutrients from it, any part of that food that, that is not useful to the body is coming out of your body one way or another. The things that would defile you if you never come into contact with your heart. Now, some of you smart alecks like me would say, well, if I eat 15 double cheeseburgers, isn't that going to shoot my cholesterol? Is that my heart? Well, yeah. But again, at that point, the double cheeseburger isn't the problem.
The source of your defilement is nothing outside of yourself. It already exists inside of your being. Think about all the atrocities committed across human history. It started with some person who was desperately wicked. Who made conscious decisions in their own heart and influenced their own minds to do the things that they did. That wasn't the world doing that to them. That wasn't their environment doing that to them. That was a decision that they made for themselves. And what Jesus was trying to to get the Pharisees to understand, what he was trying to get that crowd to hear and understand, what he was trying to get his disciples to grasp, is that this tradition of the elders that they were following, it kept them clean on the outside. For all intents and purposes, people can look at them and say, yes, that's a religious person. But it did nothing to correct the real problem. Absolutely nothing. Because it did nothing to clean the inside, because the source of divine must still exist within them. You see, while the, the while around them there's a dirty tradition of the world. And, and, and the dirty tradition of the world was not loving God and loving others. Remember, we talked about how, how the only tradition that matters, the one that, that all other traditions should point to in this world, is loving God and loving others. But the world didn't believe that. They didn't believe in God. They wouldn't submit to his laws. They rejected him. The world and the pagan does that. That's the dirty tradition of this world. It's, it's not loving God and loving others. At the same time, the religious, the, the dirty tradition of these, of these Pharisees, of the, these religious people, do you realize that, this, that they were doing the same dirty tradition as the pagans around them? The dirty tradition of the Pharisees in this passage was not loving God and not loving others. You see what they did? They created a tradition for themselves of 600-something extra rules to protect and to keep you from breaking God's law. But the very rules and regulations and rituals they created, they used to justify not following God's law and put them right back at the same spot as the pagans. There's the same dirty tradition because inside of them, just like their worldly pagan neighbor, the same source of divine exists in them both. And that's what made their traditions dirty. See, the mistake we think we often make in, in our thinking and understanding when it comes to God's word is that. God differentiates between what sin is worse. But God doesn't do that. All sin is sin. It doesn't matter what it is. There's not one pit for one set of sins and another pit for a different set of sins. It's the same pit of sin that you fall into. 
Matthew says, what is it? For narrow is the, for, for narrow is the road that leads to life, but broad is the road path that leads to destruction. That's why. The narrow road that leads to it all is the holiness of God. But the broad, and there are so many different ways that you can fall off that narrow road into the chasm of sin. It doesn't matter which way you fall off of it, it's still the same pit that you're falling into. It's the same dirty tradition of, of not loving God and loving others. So what then is the source of defilement? What, what is it that keeps making us do these things? What is it that, that is wrong with us, that, that from within us we create these, these evil thoughts? We, we, we are the ones that bring about sexual immorality. We are the ones that, that steal. We're the ones that murder, commit adultery. We're the ones that are greedy and full of malice. We're the ones where deceit begins and lupus begins. Where envy starts and slander and arrogance and folly. Not our environment around us. Not, not what our parents did to us. Not what our school teacher te taught us. Not what that bully in school did to us. We are the source of our own defilement. Why? Because the source of our defilement is our own heart. Our heart is the problem. Our heart is what's wrong with us. And Jeremiah the prophet writes, For the heart is desperately wicked. Why you don't have to teach kids to lie, cheat, and steal. It's why when even when we come to know Jesus, the Lord and Savior, and we know what we're supposed to do, we know what the law of God says. We know that the traditions should be something that is loving God and loving others, and so God can save and sanctify our heart and save and sanctify our neighbors. And we knew all that. We get it. We, we read the Bible and we get all that. And we understand what God's trying to say to us. But at some point we wake up and realize that there's something wrong. Because no matter how hard I try, no matter how many times I, I come and weep and pray at the altar, I can't, I can't get rid of this one sin that's in my life. No matter how hard I try, how many times I read my Bible, I can't get rid of this one certain thought that keeps coming back. And like the Pharisees, we create a bunch of rules and regulations for ourselves. We think if we follow, maybe if we just follow all these rules and all these patterns and all the things that we shouldn't do, you know, that, that will separate us from the world and we'll look different. We'll be able to say we're not the same. And we'll feel good about ourselves and that we belong to God because we look different. But inside, for some reason, we can't escape, we can't figure it out. For some reason, we still feel guilt and shame that something is wrong. We don't know what it is. You see, we're looking at the wrong one because the source isn't outside of us. It's not what we're not doing or what we are doing. It's something is wrong with our hearts. Our hearts are the source of all the defilement in our lives. Nothing outside of you. Not what your neighbor is doing. 
not what they put on TV. Your own heart. This is the thing. God created us all as beings with the ability to choose for ourselves. And over and over again, we choose to not love God and love others. You see that word defilement or to make unclean? You know what that word means? That word means to make common. You know that means to make common. What's common? The world. The world. The world that rejects God. Rejects his laws and his rules. The world that thinks that they're above God and his ways and can set up their own own pathways and own decisions and, and do things apart from him. The world that says I'm okay when I'm really not. That's common. See, the problem is, see, well, even those of us who are, are, are religious, and we come to church every Sunday, we open our Bibles every day, we pray every day, but we think that stuff makes us holy. But all it does is make us common. But with more rules. Because the source of the divine is still there. The source of our common still exists. And we know what God's standard is. God's standard for all of humanity, what it has always been for humanity, what it will never cease being for us, God's standard is holiness. That's perfection. It's, it's not falling, it's not looking to the right or to the left, it's looking straight ahead and going towards God with, with a pursuit of energy and passion and, and love. That word holy, holy means to be set apart. You cannot be common and set apart at the same time. In Hebrews it says, without holiness, no one can see God. That tells us what the standard is. That God's not okay with us falling to the left or the right. The only aim, the only pursuit of our lives is holiness. But the problem is we cannot achieve holiness on our own. We can't get there by ourselves. Why? Because we have the source of defilement within us. Our very thing that beats, the very thing that processes our emotions, the very thing that controls our thoughts, the very thing that controls our actions and reactions is evil. It is common, and it will always bring us back to the common. It will always keep us away from becoming a set apart the holy, the holy life that God is calling us to. There's no amount of rules that you can follow to fix it. There's no amount of church attendance that will take it away. There's no prayer meeting that can cure it. There's no self-help book that can cure the problem inside of you. And the truth of the matter is that nobody wants to process it, nobody wants to focus on it. It's that truth that the Hebrew writer says is that without holiness, no one can see God. Without holiness, 
Because of your commonness, you will be separated from him. You can't get there by yourself. You see, it's not the world that makes you common. It's not the devil making you do it. It's not your environment or your upbringing. Those things certainly don't help you. But it's your own heart that you're fighting against. Traditions and ceremonies and rituals, they can't make you holy. They just reveal again the, the real problem. Just as the, the pagan is so set on that it's their way or the highway, we think to ourselves, somehow we've got in our minds that same idol of self-adultery, that same idea of self-worship, thinking that, well, maybe if I just try harder, I can be holy. Maybe if I just keep following the rules, I'll be holy. But what, you, what we have to understand is you can't make yourself that way. Because you were born into a world that's common, with a heart that's common. It's impossible. It's, it, 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 we can't do it. But Ailed and Sinner, the Nazarene does what the Elohim are going with this. He says, only a radical salvation can cure the corrupt human heart. But this is exactly what Jesus came into the world to provide. What he is saying and what he actually goes on to write in the same commentary, in the same paragraph, he says, forgiveness of your sins is not enough to put you in right standing with God. Because while that deals with the symptoms of the illness, it doesn't cure it. Because the source of defilement is still within you. And as long as that source of defilement exists in you that makes you common, you're going to keep making common decisions. You're going to keep making common world mistakes. Because your heart won't let you do anything different. You see, Jesus, by his death and atonement, provided the forgiveness for the, for the symptoms of, of, of sin. His resurrection provided the power to be, to be victorious over it. You see, his salvation isn't just forgiveness of your sins. His salvation is full. And it's the full freedom from it. He comes into your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will take your old, corrupt, broken, dirty, filthy heart. And I will give you mine. I will change the source. I will take you from common and give you my holy heart. So you can live in holiness to me. And I know your brain is still wired to the commonness of those world. But guess what? Because you have a new heart. As long as you let my spirit to move and work within you, I will change the patterns by the renewing of your mind. God wants to sanctify your heart. He doesn't just want to save you from your sins. He wants to sanctify your heart. That word sanctify, your heart. sanctify means he wants to make your heart whole. He wants to set it apart. And he has the power to do it. He can do it. You don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to be bent toward that broken pattern anymore. 
This morning, with all heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you recognize that your heart's common and he's pulling you in common ways. But this morning, you recognize and believe that God has the power to give you a new hope. That God has the power to, to take, take you and make your whole, whole heart holy, set apart for his purposes and for his kingdom, to live for him. That's you this morning. I'm going to actually slip out and come to this altar so we can pray with you. If that's you this morning, I want you to, to kneel by, the, by your pew. If that's you this morning. I, I, want you to not, I, want, I don't want you to leave here without talking to God, asking Him for this gift that He's made available to you. Speaking to you, church, you are redeemed. God, we're here this morning and we're all out of excuses. We're all out of ways to justify ourselves. We're all out of other people to blame and the situations to blame. You know, we sit here this morning, we stand in your presence this morning, but whatever posture we're here this morning, standing before you in truth and grace. Your truth is testifying to us that there is something wrong with us. As we sit and we look back over our lives and, and the decisions we've made, the way we react to the world around us, the way we behave when, when no one, we think no one from the church is watching or no one else is watching. The reasons why we come to church, the efforts we're making trying to improve ourselves, God. You see all that. We stand before it. We recognize that it's the problem. It is us. That there's something wrong with our heart. It's our heart that makes us common. It's our heart that separates us from God. But Lord, reading your words to the Pharisees, to the crowd, and to, the, and to your disciples, over and over again, you, you point to us. We, we can't ignore it. We can't deny that over and over again you say that, that we're the problem. That our heart is the problem. But Lord, we know from the reading the rest of your word, from letters like Romans that say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that there is a power out beyond just forgiving our sins. There's a power that can come into our hearts and change us from the inside and change the way we see the world, change the way we react to the world, change our actions to the world, change the words we speak to the world, change the way we come to church and worship you, God. And this morning, we're here. We're not just asking for that. We're begging you. We're pleading, God, that you would give us a heart that is holy.
mistakes. That is the life you're calling us to. And that's how I want to live, God. And I know I can't do it myself. I know there's nobody in this church that can help me do it. It only comes from the power of your Holy Spirit coming inside and changing me and making me new. Now, Lord, as we leave here this morning, may we live lives that are set apart. Lives set apart recognizing that, that the, the defilement isn't something outside of us. It isn't anything the world can throw at us. It's, it's allowing us to stop listening to your spirits leading. Our hearts are being new, God, but our minds still have a long way to go. Help us to be obedient and sensitive when your spirit is trying to create a new pathway in our understanding. In your name I pray.